Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Daniel Hagen. Glad to be back home. Miss you guys, but I want to bring up this photo. We've seen a lot of miracles. Chelsea and I have experienced God do a lot of things, supernatural things, extraordinary things. But I must say that this was probably a moment that I'll never forget, maybe one of the most notable miracles that I've personally been involved in. And uh, so I'd just like to speak into it. I'm working on some footage. We've got some footage of it. Uh, Hopefully I'll get to show you the the full story of it and possibly be able to interview. It was a little bit difficult with the language barrier, but interview the family. I've begun to reach out to the family now and and they've uh, been sending messages thanking me for what's happened. In this particular case, uh, first of all, I'll explain the context. We're in uh, Budapest with CFAN. Has anyone heard of CFAN? Christ for All Nations. Reinhard Bonnke pioneered it. He's handed it over to Daniel Kalender now. They've been great friends uh, with us in the harvest and we do a lot of work together. And of course, they've seen, uh, man, I don't even know how many millions of souls saved now throughout Africa and all sorts of places. But by the way, thank you guys. Let's give the band a round of applause. Feel free to grab your seats if you want. And uh, so... We're in Hungary, in Budapest, and they have a stadium. It's a, an annual, uh, sorry, no, it's a, a fire conference. It's not necessarily an annual conference, but uh, they run them around the world. And uh, this one was a, a big stadium, uh, probably held around 10,000 people. And at the end of the four days, so I was involved in helping out with the music ministry, with, uh, with some worship with their team. And then at the end of the four days, we had a massive fire tunnel. Who loves fire tunnels? Well, I love them even more now after this. Now, this, we were in this fire tunnel for over an hour and a half. Can you imagine 10,000 people coming through a fire tunnel? And I mean, there were crazy stuff going on. We had a fire tunnel, and then we had like ushers lined up uh, on the side of the fire tunnel. So when someone hits the deck or when someone uh, starts manifesting in the Holy Spirit, or there are a lot of demons popping too when they start coming through. Demons start flipping out, freaking out, and then we push them to the side, and then the ministry team take care of it, cast out the devil, pray for the sick, do whatever we need to do. But there were bodies flying everywhere. It was a really interesting experience. It was a powerful fire tunnel. And uh, But this young man came through, and he was being assisted by his family. He had uh, these uh, walking stick type frames. I don't know the, what they're called, but uh, he was you know, moving at a very slow pace and coming through. Uh, and uh, he got to where I was and I was able to lay my hands on him and just, just like we were praying for everybody else, fire in the name of Jesus. And the idea was to be pretty quick, just release the fire and then they go through. But this young man was just so hungry and I just felt just to keep my hand on him a little more. And then bam, he, he hit the deck And I felt something. You know, sometimes when you pray for people, I believe by faith that the Holy Spirit's always moving, but I literally felt like virtue. I I, uh, leave my uh, hand and like electricity flow through my body uh, and he hit the deck and then I asked the family to help him back up and obviously because of his the walking frame, I knew that he had an issue with walking and because he's uh, just moving very slowly and so... I said, let's stand him back up. And then specifically, I got down on my, on my knees and just prayed strength into his legs. And uh, not knowing the full condition, not knowing his background, 
And then as I was doing that, the family pointed towards his ears. Now, they had limited English, and I said, can he hear? And they, they began to explain that he can't hear and that he had been uh, deaf uh, from birth. So he's never been able to hear anything in his life. And uh, so we prayed again, I laid hands on his ears, and I said, open in Jesus' name. And then bang, he hit the deck again. <laughs> Praise God. I like it when that happens. And we got him back up again. And, uh, and then I clicked his ears like that and this smile just like that on his face. And, uh, and his family, and I asked his family to ask him if, they, if he could hear. And he's like, he began to nod. It's just, it's mind-blowing. Deaf from birth. Never been able to hear music. Never been able to hear the voice of his family. And so you can imagine the tears and the screams. And there were thousands of people watching and the uproar from, from the people in the, in the stands. And uh, he began to hear for the very first time. And I've watched Jack Coe and A.A. A. Allen participate in similar type miracles and where they haven't been able to hear. And because of that, he hasn't been able to speak either. He makes noises but not clarity or definition in words because he has no concept or understanding. And so I, uh, I watched... I think it was A.A. Allen used like sounds to test whether people like this could hear with similar type miracles. And so I got him to look away and I went, Bubba, like that, just the sound, Bubba. And he was looking away and he followed and copied that sound, Bubba, and he replayed it back. And then that's when the family really went off and started celebrating. And then, so, we, so his ears opened for the first time. He's been able to hear for the first time. And then we went after strength in his legs. Now, I found out that he's also been crippled from birth and has never walked on his own without aid from birth. And so we went praying for strength. And of course, the faith levels are through the roof now. We've just, we're all celebrating and we prayed. And then we took the, the walking sticks away from him. And uh, actually, so we first of all just held hands with him. And you could just see strength starting to come back. And that was, the family were, were just in uh, such extreme emotions as we were even just holding his hands and walking. That was a miracle. And then after around four minutes, we let go of his hands. And then on his own accord, without assistance, he began to walk around the stadium. And everyone was just shouting and praising. And uh, it was one of the most extraordinary things personally that I've ever been involved with and uh, I'm just so grateful to Jesus that he really does do miracles today that nothing is impossible with Jesus and if you believe that give me a shout out and give Jesus a shout out praise God so there were thousands of, of miracles countless miracles that took place over that four-day period in Budapest, and then we were in Latvia for Awakening Latvia. Did anyone get to see the, the footage of what took place in Latvia? Uh, if you didn't, you can go back to Awakening Europe. It's the first time that we have had a media team, that we put the media team together, and they filmed it, did a great job. Uh, we gave the feed to God TV, to TBN, so they helped us get it out into places that we couldn't reach, but we were able to also put it on our, our social media platforms. And so you can check it out. It's been archived there now. 
and you can just go back and look at the footage. Particularly night one was, was a lot of fun. We had, of course, people from Fire Church uh, as part of our awakening team that were there. So let's uh, give a round of applause to all our team that went over and helped minister, bring the fire. And uh, it was amazing worship. A lot of freedom broke out. And then on the opening night, miracles just began to pop. Many, many miracles. And so all of those testimonies you can watch. And I'd encourage you to watch miracles. It does something to you, particularly if you want to see miracles in your own life or if you want to be used as a vessel to see miracles. Because miracles, signs, and wonders should be a normal part of Christianity. It's not just for the big stadiums. It's not just delega uh, delegated or relegated to uh, scenes like that. They happen everywhere. Our street team know that. Uh, many of you already know that, and we see it on a consistent basis. But I believe that God wants to bring increase in our everyday life to signs and wonders that people that have been deaf all their life, even in your workplace, all of a sudden, bang, their ears pop open and Jesus is glorified, your boss gets saved as a result, and then uh, who knows what happens after that, but revival breaks out. Who wants to see that? The fame of Jesus was spread abroad because of miracles. It's a massive part of his ministry. Uh, we, we look to the life of Jesus in many ways. We want to imitate Jesus in many ways, but certainly in the supernatural. And Jesus talked about the miracles that he did. In fact, there were so many miracles done by Jesus, the Bible says there weren't enough pages in the book. The book would have been so massive, you wouldn't have been able to carry the thing around. There were so many miracles done, so they weren't even all recorded. And yet what we have is extraordinary in its own right. And Jesus said, the things that you see me do, he said, you can do and greater. What does that look like? I think that I think it literally means greater, if you'll believe, according to your faith. I also think it means that because we're a body now, we can reach out wider and do more than what he could ever do because in some ways he was limited. He only had three years on the earth in his public ministry. He had 33 years, of course, but three years in his public ministry where he began to do miracles. And he was limited somewhat because he's in one body and he could only operate in the area that he was. It was phenomenal what he did in that short amount of time. But now, collectively, we're a body. We are his body. He's still alive and his spirit's in us, collectively, in our group. Can you just look around and imagine what we can do if we get a hold of it? And then multiply that, all the churches in this region, we're all one body. We might have slightly different views on things and secondary differences, but and we might be in different buildings, but we're still all connected, we're still all one, and then join that to, the, to everyone else in Australia and then everyone else all over the world and multiply that, bring that together. Man, we are doing great, great things for God. And I believe that God wants to encourage us, but also stir us up and say, but yet there's still more. Amen? Why don't you say to the person next to you, wait, there's still more. Glory to God. So let's go to the Bible. Isaiah 53.5. I'm pretty fired up about healing after uh, that, the time away in Europe. Thousands of miracles and then seeing the effects of miracles. Thousands of souls were saved. Ultimately, the miracle points to Jesus. The miracle points 
to the one who saves. And, uh, and there were many saved as a result of seeing signs and wonders. Isaiah 53.5 But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Many of the church... I'm going to just pause it there for a sec. Many of the church, or much of the church, believes that Jesus died for our sins and removed our transgression. And you don't get much argument about that. In fact, I don't really argue with anyone about that. From the most conservative Christian in the world, we all believe that Jesus died for our sin. But for some reason, uh, we don't hold the other part of the atonement with the same esteem. Thank you so much. After many plane rides, this coffee is bliss. Actually, what am I saying? It's always bliss. Glory to God. So uh, for some reason, we don't have the same emphasis or even faith or certainty around the other aspects of the atonement. Would you agree with that? Ask yourself this. If I said to you, are you absolutely sure that Jesus died for sins? For all of the sins? Many of you would be in a place of absolute faith and say yes. But if I ask you about the next part of the atonement, where it says, and by his stripes we are healed, and I said to you, are you sure that Jesus took all of your sickness away? I wonder whether there'd be the same absolute certainty in your heart all the time. Maybe your experience has caused you to look at that in a different way or maybe you've questioned whether by his stripes we are healed means healed all the time, all of those sicknesses, all of the ailments. Maybe it's talking about spiritual healing, not physical healing and there's doubt, but you don't have the same faith and the same absolute certainty when it comes to physical healing and I think that's a problem if that's the case. From a theological point of view, there's absolutely no argument that Jesus died on the cross and was bruised and went through what he went through, not only for the removal of sin and transgression, but also for your peace. The Bible says the chastisement of our peace was upon him. In other words, everything that he went through, the chastisement, he took the punishment upon himself so that you can be fully restored. We talked about holistic healing Body, soul, and spirit. Salvation is body, soul, and spirit. He wants your spirit regenerated. And I think out of everything, that's the most important, that you would be born again. Because in heaven, you're going to have a glorified body. You're not going to have to worry about sickness and disease anyway. But we also need to understand, and I believe Jesus needs us to understand this, because he paid the ultimate price that you would have absolute healing and absolute uh, restoration, body, soul, and spirit. And he deserves to get his full reward. Everything that he went through, it would be absolutely be so sad to know that Jesus went through all that and we have access to the fullness of what he provided, yet through unbelief we miss out. The devil robs from our inheritance. Your inheritance as a son, as a daughter, is not only freedom from sin and disease, and that wall of petition broke so that we can be in relationship and right standing with God the Father, 
but also that your body would be healed, that we would walk in absolute divine healing, and that we would have a peace in our life that passes understanding. The chastisement of our peace, that shalom of heaven, would be in our lives on a daily basis. So I think it's important that we continue to teach this, that we stand on this as an absolute, as a part of our foundation. And uh, if you don't believe it, you won't see it. If you don't believe it, you won't receive it. And so it's something that you need to understand from the Scriptures so that you can have faith. You can hook your faith to the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So some believe that uh, Isaiah here was uh, referencing this healing and relegating this healing. Uh, it wasn't necessarily referring to physical healing, but instead was referring to spiritual healing. And that is an argument that some will bring. If you look at that word uh, healed in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew language, the word is rafa. And if you do a study on the word rafa, you'll see that it is always referring to physical healing. So if you unpack that word rafa, systematically look at it, when it's used, the context, it's always in reference to physical healing. Further to that, Matthew chapter 8, verse 16, I'd love you to go there now. I love teaching on this subject, reinforcing this subject. It's important that we continue to hear the Word of God. Remember, faith comes by hearing, hearing on a regular basis. Not having heard, but hearing. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Matthew chapter 8, verse 17. And this is Matthew's take on it on Isaiah 53, 5. This is his commentary, if you like that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Okay, so he is directly quoting Isaiah 53, 5. In, in Isaiah 53, 5, it says, By his stripes were healed. So the argument that that's talking about spiritual healing and only spiritual healing uh, is incorrect, and Matthew makes it very clear. It's New Testament writing now. He's bringing his commentary on what Isaiah was referring to, which makes it an absolute. So now it's not my opinion, but it's Scripture interpreting Scripture. And as soon as Scripture interprets Scripture, it's an absolute. It's not a commentary anymore. It's not someone's opinion anymore. It's the absolute truth. And if it's the absolute truth, then we need to believe it and once you start believing it, then you'll start seeing it. Who's with me on that? Let's give Jesus some praise. Come on. Matthew 8, 7, I'm going to read it one more time. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Now I'm going to take you to two more scriptures. And we're going to pray for some people today after that. Okay? Glory to God. I'm going to take you to Mark chapter 9. So if it's an absolute, then why don't we see it 100% of the time? 
why does most of our experience not line up with what seems to be absolute in the Scriptures? Have you ever asked that question or wondered? There's no problems with asking questions. It's important. But I will say this. The Bible is so absolutely sure that you need to understand it's more important that you believe the Word of God over your experience. Experience doesn't uh, help us understand Scripture. It can, but it shouldn't be. Experience should not trump what is very, very clear in Scripture. We need to pray, God, we pray that our experience begins to line up with your truth. Amen? So it needs to be the other way around. But there's nothing wrong with asking questions. And, uh, and here in Mark chapter 9, it helps us understand uh, somewhat, there are many different reasons why we're not seeing healing at a 100% rate or healing all the time uh, in our everyday life. I want to take you to Mark chapter 9, verse 25, and it says, When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Now, just to give you a little bit of context here, if you look at the verses before this, you'll see the disciples were first asked to pray for this boy that had the deaf and dumb spirit. The disciples were those that walked with Jesus, that were learning to live like Jesus, that were learning to do what Jesus did. How many of us can say that we're disciples? We're not all there yet, but we're learning to look like Jesus, to live like Jesus. Yeah? So I want to encourage you, if you're not seeing healing at 100%, don't be discouraged because it's a process, a growing process, a learning process, but I want you to understand that Jesus is uh, the level that we're aiming for. Amen? He was fully man, fully God. He wants us to use him as the marker to aim for in every aspect of his life, including the supernatural and praying for the sick. So the disciples couldn't cast out this demon. This particular demon caused this uh, person to be deaf and to be dumb. Now, sometimes deaf ears... Uh, as a result of birth or deaf ears can be the result of something that's happened, an accident. There can be many reasons why someone is deaf and even dumb, where they can't speak. Sometimes it's a demonic spirit that is causing that person to be deaf and dumb. And so spiritual warfare is important. And, uh, and I believe it's one of the reasons why the disciples couldn't cast out uh, this demon in this particular case, because there was spiritual warfare going on, and they're still learning about that aspect of discipleship. And so Jesus had to step in and show them how to do it. And that's where we come to now, verse 25, where he said, When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. Don't be afraid to go after casting out devils. Don't leave it to the pastor. Don't leave it to someone else that you think knows how to do it. Believe that the same Jesus in you can cast out devils. There's power in the name of Jesus. We sing it. There is power in the name of Jesus. What's that power for? Not just so that you'll sing louder or get more excited on Sunday. That 
we sing that to stir faith in our hearts to say when, we, when it comes Monday, if someone is demonized, if someone is being threatened by the enemy, is being tormented, we have power in us to see that person delivered and set free. And it should be a normal part of Christianity, not just something that happens every now and then at some special meeting. Verse 26, Then the Spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he came into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? So the boy was delivered. And then later the disciples pulled him aside and said, What do we do wrong? Teach us. How come it came out so easy when you prayed, but yet we couldn't do it? And Jesus' response is written here in verse 29. And this is important for us to get. If you want to see the supernatural operating in your life, if you want to see miracles Signs and wonders, the fame of Jesus spread abroad in the area that you're impacting, in the workplace, in your family. Understand that signs and wonders follow those that believe. It's not just for the, for the few people that believe, it's anyone that will believe. But there is a big key here, and Jesus teaches it in verse 29. He says, this kind comes out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Now, if you read Mark's account of this in verse 29, and you only read this account, you might start to develop this idea that, that this was some sort of special demon, a super demon, and it only comes out by prayer and fasting. And that's somewhat true, but there's other information that Matthew gives in his account that really helps unpack what Jesus was talking about here. So I'm going to quickly go there. I want you to get this because this is really important and then we're going to finish up and pray for some people today. Is that okay? Matthew chapter 17, verse 19. So it's the same story, but this time it's Matthew's account. It's great studying the scriptures. If you want to learn about this account, get all of the details on the account because Matthew gives some certain hints and clues in the teachings of Jesus that Mark doesn't, and they both highlight certain things. I love that about the Gospels. It shows that they didn't collude, actually. It's not made up. They didn't just sit there and say, okay, yep, let's write this. It was genuinely their account, and they were highlighting areas that stood out to them in this particular time. When you put it all together, that's when you get a full understanding of what Jesus was meaning. So now we're going to go to the same story, but this time a different account. Matthew chapter 17, verse 19. If you've got your Bibles, I'll quickly encourage you to go there now. And if you don't, the team's doing a great job. It's right behind me. (laughs) Matthew 17, 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to him, because of your unbelief. Now you didn't see that. In Mark, he just said, this one comes out by prayer and fasting. But in Matthew, he noted that there were other things that Jesus said. Because of your unbelief. That was the reason why the disciples didn't see it. For assuredly I say unto you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind 
does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So you see that he also notes the important aspect of prayer and fasting. But the unbelief key, the unbelief note here in Matthew is very important. It wasn't a super demon, but sometimes it's very confronting when you see someone that's been deaf all of their life. It's very confronting when someone's been crippled all of their life. The natural circumstances begin to press on your faith and it can even press the faith down and then you're in a place of doubt. And you can be all hyped up and pray this loud prayer, but really that that pressure of that circumstance of that uh, situation is really on you and you're doubting in your mind. And you're not going to see the breakthrough because that river flows through faith. You only need a mustard seed of faith. Just a little bit. But if you have doubt, you have no faith. So the biggest thing is getting rid of the doubt. The doubt comes from many different ways, from other voices, from wrong teaching. Doubt can come from just the pressure of the circumstances. Peter, when he stepped out of the boat, had this amazing experience by walking on water with Jesus, but the circumstances began to take over his mind. He took his eyes off Jesus, looked at the circumstances and began to sink. Another example of what can happen. So what is it about prayer and fasting that helps? Prayer and fasting helps keep you in a place of faith. Prayer and fasting helps you become so sensitive to the Spirit that when really full-on situations uh, present themselves to you, you're more likely to operate in faith and to step out according to the will of God rather than look at the circumstances and begin to sink. Are you with me? That's the key. Very important to understand that prayer and fasting, and if you'll do it as a lifestyle like Jesus did, then you'll be more likely to see the person free than you would if you didn't. I want to ask you to stand to your feet. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this and other resources and information, go to our website, firechurch.com.au.